I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, 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 Reading fans, we made it to game 46 out of 46 of the championship season without getting relegated. Who would have thought it? And just before we close out our, well, our latest Anum Horribilis, uh, or whatever the Latin is for horrible year, we have the small matter to attend to of an away game at Luton, high-flying Luton Town, and on the final Elm Park preview podcast of 2021-2022, I have the great privilege of being joined by Reading FC reporter Jonathan Lowe. Good morning, Jonathan. Hello, good morning. How, how's the season been for you? Because I haven't seen you in a little while, but I imagine in terms of grey hairs, I think we sprouted a few since kickoff all the way back in August, September last year. So, it's it's been a rough one, hasn't it? It's been a rough ride from start to finish. Yes, uh, it has very much so. I mean, it uh, it always, I guess it always is. And uh, you, you, you look back at this time of year and think how how quickly it has gone. Um, you know, those those days of uh, that start of the season, which was which was you know horrendous in, in every sense. Of, you know, having to play with the kids so much, having to rely on the kids so much at the time. I mean, Made signing so late in the transfer window, being beaten four 0 at Huddersfield. Um, there were some you know, pretty grim, uh, grim openings to the season, but um, yeah, I, I guess a few ups and downs. But uh, unfortunately, mainly downs. But luckily, it kind of finished <laughs> on, a, on on a high. Uh, not, not counting last weekend, obviously. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah we, we've got through another year. Reading are staying in the championship, which uh, I guess is a which was the number one priority um anything else was a bonus so um yeah they, they got that out of the way and, and let's hope for uh, a brighter future because i'm a big old pessimist i always think to myself as just one thing we've hit rock bottom i go right this is the year this is the year we finally get punished for it this is the year when it's going to all go to pot and i would have laughed if you told us that we we're going to stay up with two games to spare this this campaign because it really has been a one for the rubbish pile and uh, since we're in a reflective mood we're not going to reflect on our Extremely dull 1-0 defeat to 
West Brom because Paul in the gang did an admirable enough job of doing that on the last podcast. I'm really, really glad I wasn't invited along for that one because it was the podcast itself wasn't dull, it was just the game. But um and we called it, we said we were going to lose one nil to West Brom, me and James Earnshaw. So we are going to reflect on um, the player of the season vote that was announced last night at the uh, Reading FC Gala Dinner, which is another thing I didn't get an invite to. You weren't invited to the Gala Dinner, were you, Jonathan? No, I was not. not no, our, our t- tickets must have got lost in the post. Uh, so if you're listening, so. Running Football Club, yeah. you've got to sort it out for next year. Or I'll tell you what you can sort out for next year. It might be an idea to actually announce player of the season before the final home game of the season and not do it behind closed doors because that's a conversation for another time. But highlights from the gala dinner then were Josh Laurent, I think rightly winning Running FC goal of the season. In terms of aesthetics, obviously very pretty. I think we even described it as a sexy goal. Talking about that goal against Blackburn, not only was it a beautiful goal, it was an important three points in our survival bids, Jonathan. But um, I suppose that the biggest talking point from last night was that Jonathan Swift, who is out of contract at the end of the year, probably had his best season in a Reading shirt, managed to pick up the Players' Player of the Season, the Vice Chairman Award, um, whatever that is. I think it's some dignitaries of the club give it to him but uh, he didn't complete his hat trick with the fans player of the season all which went to Andy Yearden what are your thoughts on that yeah I think uh, I think Swift will rightly feel a, a slightly miffed about that decision I think he's obviously had the season of his life really he's kept fit for large parts and he's, and he's delivered in terms of numbers at the top end of the pitch and and I think it's fair to say without him Reading could well be playing in League One next season so um, he's great that he's got those two awards, but uh, I would have thought he, he 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 would have got very close to to winning the player of the season award if, if uh, um, you know if Yedon wasn't in contention. Yedon's had, had a, a decent season, I'd say. Um, he's had some very good games. He's had some sort of poor games as well. Obviously, been in the defence, which has uh, shipped quite a few goals. So um, mm. you know you can always hold that against the defender. Um, you know, can also hold it against the midfielder, but uh, uh, slightly less so. But um, yeah, I think probably Swift deserved it just for his goals and assists uh, and his performances uh, overall over the season. I know um, this is always a slightly tricky one, isn't it? Because you know, how how do you define a player of the season? I mean, arguably Tom McIntyre should be in with a shout given his uh, goals and performances um, in those two games a couple of weeks ago because that really kind of transformed the season. So. Um, but yeah, I, I think uh, Swift would have been slightly miffed, but um, yeah, Yeardum had a decent season, um, definitely. Yeah, Yeardum, he uses charisma, he's a very popular lad, both with his teammates and, and the fans. And during that really dark, dark period we were going through in January when all hope seemed lost and we'd been on a terrible run of defeats, including 7 0 against. Fulham as another team that just got beaten 7 0 by Fulham that we're going to be talking about shortly. But Yearden was sort of appointed as unofficial fan liaison then. I remember the videos going round of Yearden talking to the fans waiting for the coach back home after Peterborough and basically just saying, you know, we've, we've got this, we're trying. And um, I suppose then, you know, he's one of the leaders in this team. And even though Swift, in my view, was robbed, I think he's another worthy winner. So congratulations to Andy Yearden for Reading FC Player of the Season. As we've approached the end of the season, Jonathan, it's time that the rumour mill kicked into life as well. And uh, after our final game, no doubt we will hear about which players are off, probably Yearden and Swift, 
but also what players might be coming through the door on the cheap. And one of those that you've reported on in Berkshire Live this week is a uh, Arsenal youngster, Amari Hutchinson, who I believe is a tricky winger or rather an attacking creative player. Um, we're going to be relegated to these kind of signings throughout the summer, aren't we? Where we don't have money to spend, we're on a budget. Talk us through and run the rule over Amari Hutchinson then, because he's not really a known quantity. We've only seen glimpses of, the, of him on, on video. But from what you've heard, do you reckon he would be a good fit for this Reading team or what's left of this Reading team over the summer? Yeah, there won't be much left, I don't think. But um, yeah, I mean, he's an attacking midfielder. I don't think it's um, <clears throat> uh, obviously with, with Swift going to be going. I don't think he's going to be a you know, like, like replacement or anything like that. Uh, I think he's more someone who kind of plays on the wings and, and likes to cut in. Um, you know, he's, he's highly rated at the Emirates. He's, uh, he's going to be, uh, you know, he's 18 years old. He's young and, and hungry and wanting to develop and um, establish himself. And certainly a season at Reading, I don't think, should do him any harm at all. Um, and, it, and it should benefit Reading as well. And I imagine that's, you know, it's these, going to be these types of players who are going to be coming through the door this summer at Reading, uh, given the transfer embargo i know we always say transfer embargo it's more like sort of transfer restrictions because obviously yeah. as we saw last summer um you know they can still get players in either as free agents or on uh, uh, season-long loan deals so um yeah that, that's kind of be the um uh, the recruitment bucket whatever you want to call it that they'll be reading will be looking into this uh, this summer um and uh yeah i mean ho- hopefully you know if he does sign he, he can make a positive impact but um you know he, he's still obviously very raw so you shouldn't expect too much from him um but uh you know it's it's a you know it's a it's a low low risk signing um really and um you know expectations will be low but uh you know if he does turn out to be a gem and, and if he gets a good run of games in the side um the, then who knows where, where it could take him um you know Arsenal had a few other players out on loan uh, in the championship in in recent years and obviously they've got the link with reading as well with um carl hein uh the goalkeeper coming in on in january uh unfortunately his season was curtailed hopefully um if hutchinson does come in he, he doesn't fall over in his kitchen either um <laughs> but uh uh yeah i mean it's it, yeah it's the type of signing that uh reading will be looking at and probably a lot, a lot of other championship clubs as well um mm. because uh i think as, as we saw the uh former Reading Chief Executive Ron Gawley at West Brom that came out with a statement yesterday saying that uh, they're going to have to cut their cloth accordingly. They won't be spending lots of money. So if West Brom are gonna, not going to be spending lots of money, then uh, I don't think many clubs will be mm. in the championship next season. So, um, yeah, everyone will be scratching around trying to get uh, the best bargains they can. Yeah, on the Carl Hine arsenal link thing, it's been a season of strange injuries, hasn't it? We've had Carl Hine falling over his kitchen, Rafa Cabral punching a whiteboard before he left the club. Just odd, odd scenes all around. But, and best of luck to West Brom, by the way, spending on the cheap this summer with Gourley in charge. I'd be very interested to see how that goes. But We'll have to see if anything comes to light of that Amari Hutchinson rumour. Uh, word on the grapevine is that his father might be a scout at Reading. And as we know, we love a father-son link with um, Tom and Paul Ince. So. Back to what's going on on the pitch then. Final game of the season. We're over the line. We're not getting relegated. But we do have the opportunity to really upset Luton, which is probably an opportunity we should try and grab. Reading obviously have got form for upsetting playoff teams on the last day of the season. We did it against Derby a few years ago when we beat them 3-0. Do you remember Quasi Appiah scored within two minutes? 
Um, yes. Other goal scorers, uh, Tariq Fosu scored, uh, played at least, I remember, and looked quite lively before he left. Yeah. Um, Jack Stacey. Now, Jack Stacey, yeah, of course, who's now just at his Bournemouth side, have just got promoted this week. Yeah. So, ah, oh, better times. I mean, still a rubbish season, but let's see if we can perform a similar feat of upsetting the apple cart against Luton this weekend. So, Luton have had an amazing season under the stewardship of Nathan Jones. We were saying before we hit record, it's quite incredible that they've managed to get up to sixth in the table with the squad they've got. Because even though they've got the odd familiar name, you know, your Henry Lansbury, Snodgrass, Cameron Jerome, they're, they're not really a team of fantastic individuals and are rather, I guess, in the fashion of Reading sides from the past, a better team than they are in terms of individual talent. They've done an incredible job, Jonathan, haven't they? And do you expect them to uh, to sneak the playoffs? Um, <clears throat> yes, I, I do actually. Um, I guess yeah. When you when you look at that squad, there, there's you know there's I mean there are standout names, but they're, um, they're you know I'm sure we're not the only ones thinking how on earth are they in the top six. But fair play to them; they've done extremely well, and that kind of sums up the championship really. If you've got a really good team, um, you can have all the great individuals uh, in the world, but if you can't get them gelling consistently um then uh, you know you could easily just fall by the wayside so yeah fair play to, to nathan jones for really getting the team um all singing off the same hymn sheet and obviously they would have you know been bruising after that seven nil thumping at uh, fulham earlier this week i think it's on monday afternoon wasn't it um so i want to bounce back strongly and um unfortunately i just can't see reading getting anything out of this game I, i'd like to think that yeah, they're going to play with some freedom and they're, they're really going to have a go for it and and perhaps they're going to replicate that derby result from a few years ago but um you know it's, it's a, going to be a full house at kenilworth road looking are going to be right up for it and i'm sure nathan jones won't uh, take take any slackers and um i can see them uh putting in a good performance on saturday and unfortunately from a reading perspective uh, i don't think the season will be ending on a high um so hopefully that will jinx it and uh, Reading will pull off a spectacular 3-0 win. It's a shame because we, we were talking on previous podcasts about how the mood music from the management, especially Paul Lintz, has been, ever since we got ourselves over the line, the players, even if they haven't consciously wanted to, they've almost subconsciously down tools. And Paul Lintz has doubled down on that, saying, don't criticise too much. We've done what many people didn't expect us to do. And we've stayed up. But regardless of that, like you say, there's going to be a full house at Luton. I'm going to be the one, one of the ones going with my brother. And it would be just brilliant to send the fans into the summer with a win and a bit of positivity. It's going to be a hell of a summer in terms of the, the movement behind the scenes. And, you know, any scrap of positivity would just be so valuable. And, and like you say, I don't expect us to get anything against Luton. They've got it all to play for um, in terms of their playoff push. They'll want a response after being beaten 7-0 by Fulham. They can join the club with us on that. But I think three teams um, have fallen foul of a 7-0 loss to Fulham this season. Us, Blackburn and now Luton. Of course, they beat us 2-0 back in January when we were on that terrible run under Paunovic. So, I don't know. I don't know if I want to be an optimist and predict a loss and have it come back to bite me. But it's the last preview pod of the year. I'm going to predict a scrappy 2-1 win, Jonathan. How about that? Brilliant. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a fantasist. I'm a total fantasist. Um, Go for it. You, I love you're going for a loss, right? 
<clears throat> unfortunately, I I don't like to do this, but I, I really can't see Reading getting anything. I can't even see them scoring a goal. Um, <laughs> I'm hoping I can have uh, humble pie all over me, but um, I, I can see like a three 0 Luton win. I'm afraid. I know. I know. Wow. I shouldn't be doing this today, but is this going to well, be the last time we're invited on this podcast, probably? No, well, look, we hope to see you next season. You might, you might be moving on to bigger and better things next season. You might be like chief football correspondent at the Athletic or something. You never know. Well, but uh... yeah, <laughs> that first. <laughs> um, just before we love you and leave you for another season, Jonathan, as it is the end of the season and we're in a reminiscing mood, let's just do our own very quick version of a season wrap up with our best and worst moments from the campaign because there are plenty of ones that we can nominate for the worst basket but I'm, I'm interested to know your thoughts on a, on a best moment because even though it's been an absolutely dreadful turgid campaign this that there have been there have been glimpses I think for me just to give you some inspiration that Andy Carroll rowing boat celebration for me will burn long in the memory and it felt like a moment when oh okay are we turning a corner now are we starting to get everyone singing from the same hymn sheet and it didn't last but it was nice for a while right um so are there any similar moments for you like that that stick out like in terms of best memorable moments from this horrible horrible season yeah i mean obviously there's there's the there's the few recent ones that um yeah the the swansea four all and the Sheffield united late winner from from Tom McIntyre, uh, all worthy contenders. I, I think actually the Tom Ince's goal at, at uh, Bournemouth, um, just the, the the nature of it, you know, spectacular strike, really good, uh, really good goal. Um, got them a, a deserved point from the game. Um, you know, not many people were expecting uh, you know Reading to get anything from that game, but um, you know they arguably deserved at least a point from that game, if not the, the three points and. Um, you know, you felt kind of that like that gave them sort of a bit of impetus, a bit of belief, and um, and, and so it was really. They went on and beat uh, Blackburn Rovers, and uh, yeah, the rest of this is history. So yeah, I think um, that uh, that late goal from from Tom Ince um, really helped them turn that corner late in the season. Yeah, it was it was a, it was a hell of a strike, as as um, as Alan Hansen would say, ill of a goal, ill of a goal. Um, it was he, it was an absolute rocket, nearly ripped the the. The net off and floated into the the Bournemouth Ocean, so um, yeah, that's that's one we'll remember. That would have been one for goal of the season, and they missed off at the Reading FC gala dinner, eh? But um, there was, to be fair, there was lots lots of really good strikes this year. Um, that's that's one good thing from this year. That uh, I guess maybe that just makes it more frustrating the fact that they you know, yeah, there were so many good strikes that all kind of really get forgotten about, don't they? I know, and because people are much more inclined to remember the good times, as we have been in this 150th anniversary season, than we are the bad times. But hopefully, in years to come, people will still be talking about Jonathan Lowe's appearances on the Elm Park Royals preview podcast. Thank you for your service this season. It's been fantastic having you on um, every other week or so, just to, to talk us through what, what on earth's going on at Reading Football Club. So so thank you. Your expertise is is greatly appreciated, and and cheers for coming on, Jonathan. Thank you very much for having me. I really enjoyed it. And um, I wish all your listeners uh, a very happy summer. And uh, let's hope for positive times uh, next season. Hopefully we come back revitalised and, you know, in promotion winning form. How about that? With a team of three goalkeepers. (laughs) Um, 
thanks guys uh, we're gonna have a brief break which you can use to stretch your legs and i don't know call your mum and all that and uh, and then after that we'll be joined by a fan from the luton side of the fence to talk us through our final game of the championship season against luton town see you in a bit i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back after the break. That's the last break you're going to get on the Elm Park Rules preview podcast this season because we're into last episode territory. And to guide us through, to hold our hands as we approach the gates of Kenilworth Road, I have Dave Gregory here from Oh When The Town podcast, who I'm told is an actual bona fide Luton Town fan. How are you, Dave? I'm really well, and I'm definitely one of those. I've been a Luton fan since uh, 1969. So, Oof. yeah, I'm definitely a bona fide fan. Can't wait for the weekend. Can't and, wait. Uh, it's- it's it's been a it's been a better season, dare I say, for your lot down at Luton than it has across the road at, at Reading because you're at the right end of the table and we're at the other end of the table. And uh, whilst we have a bit of an opportunity to maybe shake the tree and and get Borough to leapfrog you, I guess going into the weekend game, you guys are probably quite confident of getting result, aren't you? Although I guess uh-huh. having just come off the back of a seven nil pace into Fulham. Um, and join the club there because we we know how exactly how that feels this year. Yeah. So, um, what's the mood like in the Luton camp, Dave? Right, with regards to the seven nil, um, I think we just took it as a free hit. Really, you go into Fulham. Uh, it was a bit. It was our last official away game, obviously this season. So everybody signed up. Everybody went. Uh, we had a cracking day apart from the football. Um, <laughs> There are two different aspects of that, I think. Uh, some of us are saying, well, there's no way we're going to allow that to happen again because it was a disastrous performance. Um, and there are others are saying, do you know what? We were shocking. But Fulham have been on it all season, haven't they? So I'm saying that we had, we had something like nine first-teamers injured, nine. Looking, and we put out a, uh, the best side that we could. And we were in the game for about 20-odd minutes. And then uh, they square their first and they get to it before half time and it's game over. And then it was a case of damage limitation and we didn't do that very well, did we? Let's be fair. 7-0 is a bit of a shocker. Absolute shocker. Um, I think the mood's quite positive. I, I just feel that you can only you can only get better, can't you? You can't do any worse than that. So the, the, our team, whoever, whoever Nathan picks on Saturday, um, are going to come out and want to prove that it actually was just a bit of a freak result, hopefully. Um, they know what they've got to do, and let's hope they can do it. It was a bit demoralising. We had a great day out in London. 
football just sporty, I'm afraid. Um, I always have a really nice walk down the river to Craven Cottage. It's a very picturesque ground. It's a very picturesque part of London. Uh, and yeah. um, I don't know, I'm one of these people that likes the more sort of authentic, rugged parts of London. I suppose Kenilworth Road is, is one of those, and I'm going to experience that firsthand yeah. at the weekend too. But my memories of us 7-0 pasting against Fulham just to swap notes day, I was on a train at the time. I wasn't actually at, at the game, thank God. And yeah. um, the my phone signal, I was trying desperately to follow along with the game when I really shouldn't have bothered. But every time my signal would dip and we'd go through a tunnel, we would have conceded another two or three goals. So, um, yeah, honestly, thoughts and feelings. Sorry that you had to, to um, yeah, no, experience you know what, that. The thing is, right, there was, uh, although I wasn't on one of these cruise boats, there was four cruise boats going down the Thames with Luke's supporters on. It was a party <laughs> day. It was a literal party day. Um, you go there thinking we may just do something. However, if you went there with the realistic thing that well, they hadn't, they'd lost two games in a row at home. They're not going to lose a third one. Uh, they were top of the league because they'd been brilliant all season. Um, and we just took a bit of a bashing. And I think that's the only issue really, isn't it? I, if we'd have gone and lost two or three nil, it wouldn't have been too much of a problem. But by losing seven, we sort of stitch ourselves up a little bit with regards to the playoff situation right now. Well, that's it. You've you've hit the nail on the head in that you have it all to do really against Reading, who are not in spectacular form ever since we confirmed our our survival. We haven't really turned up since. So in a way, it's quite a nice it's 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 a bit of a gift for you, Luton Lot, the fact that we don't have anything to play for. But at the same time, we have form for putting one over against someone in the playoffs at a time when it really matters to them. We did it against Derby a couple of years back. And um, you've got Borough, correct me if I'm wrong, breathing down your necks who are in identical form. Both teams have won two, drawn two and lost two of their last six. I think two points mathematically gets you into sixth place, which means a win is necessary. I think Borough playing Preston, we're well, yeah, a very beatable opposition. Well, I think we we beat Preston. So, so are you? Do you are you worried about being leapfrogged? Um, well, I had this conversation just this morning uh, with talk sport all people, um, <laughs> and I said to them, um, if we was in seventh, trying to get to six, this game would be quite exciting. Uh, are we worried about getting leapfrogged? I generally feel that Sheffield United have a hard job. They're playing Fulham. Um, Millwall were playing Bournemouth, which is the other, you know, spanner that could, could happen. Um, so are we worried about being leapfrogged? I think there's a little bit of a worry. However, um, we as a team know what we've got to do. If we can get a result against you guys, then then we, we're, we're all sorted. Um, I'll start worrying if we've not got a, you know, not got a goal after half time or we hear the scores coming through. But at the moment, we're just a bit jittery, I would say. Just a bit jittery. Because uh, you know, I've—I'll be honest with you—I've never—I've never really forgiven Reading for the Simod Cup final result. So <laughs> after that, um, you know, uh, Red, what, Reading have got only pride to play for at the moment, and people will want it again. I think I would say your team and your players will want to prove that they're good enough to stay at the club and be at the club. So you never know. You just don't know on these last games. But we shouldn't be worried by it because we've been in this situation before. We've been in this situation to stay up, which is much, much harder, uh, I think, task-wise. 
um, because uh, was it two seasons ago when we had the last game of the season, we had to beat Blackburn, which we did. We stayed up. Um, so this is a different type of pressure, I think. And I think our players will really want it. So am I worried about a leapfrog? Not quite. Not quite. I think we have to have a spectacular change of results. Uh, Middlesbrough should beat Preston. Mm. But I feel that maybe Sheffield United might not beat Fulham. Yeah. And I feel maybe um, other results might be more helpful to us. So maybe in the end, point might be good enough. We've consulted the statisticians over it. It's an American website called uh, 538. They usually do like political polling. And uh, their numbers people have crunched the, uh, the data and reckon that Luton, as it stands, no idea what this is based on, Dave, have an 84% chance going into Saturday of making the playoffs. And to me, those are good odds. So, um, and, and uh, like like your, your manager said, um, Nathan Jones, he came out in the week and said something along the lines of, pressure is a privilege. And you have put yourselves in the position now where going to the final day, you can have achieved something quite special because the rate of progression under Jones has been really good from an outsider's perspective. The fact that from the minute you arrived in the league, like you said, you sealed survival and finished 19th, built on that the next season, finishing 12th, and now all of a sudden you're knocking on the door of a playoff campaign. I mean, Nathan Jones, after his brief flirtation with Stoke, is is he winning the fans back overall again? Like, is, has he got you to where you want to be? Well, um, there are still some people that are quite divided about Nathan Jones being at the club, which I find astonishing given what he's done since he's been back. I think that the issue we had at the beginning with Nathan is when he left, he left at a crucial part of our season. Um, we were due to play Sunderland at Sunderland. We just, we just lost to Sheffield Wednesday in the FA Cup. And we all went up to Sunderland, you know, quite a few thousand of us in Sunderland. Um, and he wasn't there, and, you know. From that, Mick Harford took over, right, and built the team and, made, and, and got, us, got us towards, you know, got us to promotion. Um, so when he came back, I think people were going, well, what's he doing? He, he was, we, we bought into Nathan Jones. We bought into the chest beating. We bought into how he run the club and how the club were playing at the time. And it was brilliant. It really was cool. And then he shifts off. He comes back. And he comes back to empty grounds. And I think that is the thing that saved him. And he kept us up in that mini league that season. He kept, he had eight games to keep us up and he kept us up. So you move on the following season, his recruitment, he, he, he sells our club so well. Uh, his backroom staff are brilliant. His, his, his recruitment has been outstanding. And the way that we play, I, I, I get a bit frustrated because other teams say that we, we're a bit hoofball, and I don't, I don't see that when I'm there. We're physical, and yeah. we play fast, um, and, we, and we play a good game most times. I hope it's not going to be too cagey at the weekend. But you've got to put it down to Nathan, and also 2020 for having the balls to bring him back and get him there. I think that's the main thing. So I think he's won over a majority of the supporters, but you'll still get some that will say they don't like him, and I, I don't understand that at all. Um, as our podcast has said many times, um, he's there, he's in charge. And you know what? He's been so successful every season. 
were getting better every season. And if we managed to get in the playoffs, let alone win them, I mean, let's, mm. I'm under no false hopes here. If we manage to get a playoff place, then it's going to be a dream two games and we'll see what happens. And, it, you know, and if you get to Wembley, it's, you know, it's, it's a one-off chance to do something special or get very drunk on the way home if we don't. You know, <laughs> yeah, there's, I've, um, I've been fortunate or rather unfortunate enough to go to two playoff finals with Reading and lost each. And let me tell you, there is nothing like the playoffs. Like the highs and the lows are just stay with you. Um, I remember, I mean, losing 4-2 to Swansea in 2011 and then losing on penalties and being a kick away from the Premier League when Huddersfield beat us there. Um, It really can be just a, it's, it's, the playoffs are those what if revolving doors moments and uh, for Luton to be on the roulette wheel would just be fantastic. And I think a lot of, a lot of romantic neutrals would quite fancy the idea of Luton Town in the Premier League because it, like you say, it's for a lot of people, they haven't seen Luton in, in the top tier for so long. It's something fresh and new and, and a bit old school. And, you know, I'm, I'm all for that. And I'm not saying what I want you to put one over us at the weekend, but as a Reading fan, we're all quite pessimistic going into the weekend because not only is there going to be a huge turnover of players in RGT over the summer, I think at the moment we're retaining maybe eight or nine senior players for next season, if that. Um, on top of that, the fact that Luton, or rather Nathan Jones, has assembled quite a handy team. I'm looking down your squad list and seeing names like well, Adebayo, um, Adebayo and Cornick, between the two of them, have provided almost 30 goals, which is excellent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Cal Naismith has been an ever-present for you, almost played every game. Uh, my favourite player name in your squad, which I'm very jealous of, is, is the yeah. fantastically named Pelly Rudakumpanzu. What a name. Yeah. Um, Pelly joined us in non-league. He's been through every division with us. And if he's fit... He can be a decent, decent uh, midfielder if he's fit. That's that's the big words. But you don't get player loyalty as much as fan loyalty these days. Do you? It's not like the 1970s where somebody mm. would turn up and they beat your club for 12, 15 years. So, um, yeah, Pelly, Pelly is, a, is a decent shout. Um, we have, again, we have this thing in our podcast where we some of us call him a legend <laughs> because of the way he's been at the club. What makes a legend? You know, if he gets to the Premier League with Luton Town, he's gone from non-league to Premier League with one club, and that would be amazing. Uh, Pelly's a great guy. Uh, you mentioned Adi Bayo. He was a brilliant find from Walsall. Uh, mm. He's been on fire. Uh, Cornick has come into his own this season. But uh, I tell you who you should look out for. Uh, hopefully, he didn't play against Fulham because they pulled him in the warm-up, but Alan Campbell... Oh, yeah. Uh, has been, for me, our player of the season. Uh, I was a bit lackluster when he first started. I thought, what, what, what are the Motherwell supporters saying about him and why do they think he's that brilliant? But, my God, he's a dynamo in midfield. He's a strong, hard player and he's been on fire. And uh, I, I genuinely hope he starts Saturday. <clears throat> if you don't, I think we'll miss him. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, Scotland, yeah. or rather the the Scottish leagues, I often find a quite good value for a, um, a diamond find like that. And uh, Reading fans will be hoping that he pulls up in the warm-up again, but lightning doesn't strike twice. 
So, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah I, I think um, it's going to be a tough old game for Reading. And um, I I don't like ever to be too pessimistic with my predictions on these preview podcasts for Empire Royals. But, and, and it feels wrong and a bit sacrosanct to, to be predicting a loss in our final game of the campaign. But I think realistically you're probably going to put one over on us. I think earlier on in the first half of the, of the podcast, I predicted a, a scrappy 2-1 Reading win. But the more I reflect on that day, the more I realised I uh, I might be mistaken. So let's hear it from from your side of the fence then. What do you reckon the score is going to be on See, Saturday? I, I genuinely despise score predictions because I never get them right. So, <laughs> Me too. What, what I'm going to say is this, uh, you, when you get to Kenilworth Road, it's going to be a buzzing atmosphere. You're going to get there and it's hopefully going to be electric atmosphere. If that spurs our team on and we get a quick goal or we get a goal in the first 30 minutes of the game, it will only get better for us. But the longer it stays at nil-nil, the more nervy the crowd will get. And you, you know that everyone gets a chance in the game. It doesn't matter if, how good or bad your team is, you will get a chance. And if Reading go in front, I think it could be quite a nervy game. So I'm genuinely hoping that our form will come back to where it was pre-Fulham. And I'm genuinely hoping that we'll just stick a couple in and maybe win two or three nil. However, uh, I, so I'm going to say two or three nil, all right? Okay. But I'm totally aware that that could go absolutely belly up. <laughs> Especially if you guys, you know, you're out to spoil the party, really, let's be fair. And, you know, your players are not going to just roll over and die with this game, surely. So I'm hoping that we can get the quick goal. I'm hoping that happens. And I hope we build on that. And we've only lost one game all season when we've taken the lead, I think. Oof, that's a stat. Yeah, I think wow. that's uh, When we scored first, we, I think the only game we lost uh, might have been QPR. I've stand to be corrected on that, but I think yeah. you know, when we've gone in front, first scored the first goal. I don't think we've lost. So we'll we'll have to get our um, El Butterall statisticians on the case to fact check that claim. But um, yeah, well, we've, like, got, we've well, don't quote me yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Don't worry. It might not even make the final edit. You never know, Dave. But uh, we've we've <laughs> we've got the we've got the we've got the opposite problem here. At Reading, and that we will go at, especially at the start of the season, we were winning so many games that we then didn't go on to win. We've dropped so many points from winning positions all year, and uh, it would be quite a fitting end note to finish on if if that were the case as well at Kenilworth Road at the weekend. But like you say, it's going to be a crackling atmosphere because Reading fans are, are going to turn out to the game in droves. We've just we've sold just shy of. 2,000 tickets. Um, it's going to be a sold-out away end. Um, it's also our inflatables day. You know how clubs do their, like, yeah, something yeah. weird for their final day of the uh, final fixture of the away from home? Yeah, we're bringing along, like, inflatable, I don't know, bananas and other phallic objects, so you can look forward to that. Bananas? Um, oh, this is a flashback yeah. to the 80s, isn't it? Let's be fair. <laughs> yeah. Oh, on the, t- on the subject of Simod Cup uh, PTSD, I'm sorry to say, Dave, but our away kit at the moment is an exact replica of the yellow kit that we wore in that 1988 final against you guys. So, um, I know. (laughs) So, it's it's going to be a bit of a grudge match now. If you do think of it that way, though, because that day, um, Reading were the underdogs, and Reading weren't expected to win. 
you know, we were first division. We was expected to just do it, you know. Um, and that's the only worry I have about Saturday, really. When Saturday comes, um, are you just going to step up that little extra bit that scuppers are our problem? So let's hope not. Let's hope not for my sake, anyway. We're a, we're a funny old team, and it would be a funny old way to cap off a funny old season. And uh, we'll just have to see what happens. But in the meantime, Dave, I want to thank you so much for coming on. You've been great right. to, to chat to and to enlighten us all about just what's been going on this season down at Kenilworth Road. And uh, I want to thank you guys listening at home. Yes, you listening to this very podcast. Uh, you've stuck through us through thick and thin. It's not been a fun campaign from a Royals point of view, but we've stayed above, above that dotted line and that's all that matters. So please enjoy your summer. Come back, refresh, revitalise all of the other R words and uh, stay tuned over the summer. We might have some, some previewy bits going up. So uh, keep your eyes on the Elm Park Royals social feeds for that. And from me and Paul and Alex and the rest of the gang, thank you for listening. Have a great weekend. Cheers, everyone. Hello. Do not adjust your radios or your smart speakers or whatever on earth you're listening to this on. It's me again. It's Jacob Southkind. I forgot to plug. It's very important there, so stay tuned. We've recently done an amazing interview. I say we. It was Paul and Alex. An amazing interview with Tom McIntyre. Centre-back, midfielder, left-back, goal-scorer extraordinaire, Mr Reading himself. It was a fantastic chat that they had with him down at Hogwarts. Uh, most important revelation, of course, if you listen to it. Um, we know his head's fucking massive, but he also drinks the vodka and the Jaeger. And uh, that and several other questions were answered by his good self. So make sure you get on down to your local podcast provider, uh, local Spotify's over in Sweden, I think. And wrap your ears around that, all that audio goodness. It's a great lesson. It's split into two parts, so easily digestible. You can listen to one in the morning, one in the evening, one on your way to work, one on your way back from work. Or, uh, I don't know, do whatever you like with them. Um, we're for the people. And, uh, yeah, please, please, please download that. It's great fun. Thanks for listening. Have a great summer. And good night.